Uh, we're, we're in our uh, fourth teaching pillar, uh, which is ministry. Our four teaching pillars are relationship, kingdom, kingdom, the church, and ministry. So we are in our fourth teaching pillar, and we are in a series called Bodybuilders. Bodybuilders. Amen. Come on, y'all. Give me y'all pose. Come on. Give me y'all pose. Bodybuilders. All right. We have been commissioned to build the body. Jesus said, I will build my church. When he said that, he was talking about every son and daughter of God. He was talking about everyone that will be in Christ will be a part of the bodybuilding process. So say, I am a bodybuilder. That's right. The Bible said that he gave the fivefold ministry for the equipping of ministry and to build up the body, which is the church. The body is what? The church. So we are bodybuilders. We are here to build his church on earth. When he says his kingdom come, his will be done, it's going to happen through us. It's going to happen through us. It can't happen without us. It has to happen through us. All right, it has to happen through us so much that when Adam fell, he had to send another human being. Do you know or not know that the Father can't do anything in earth without us? Do you not know it is illegal for him to do anything in earth without us? Because he gave us authority. If you don't pray, nothing happens. If you don't get the word in you, there's no light. There's no salt. So everything that the Father wants to do in planet Earth, he wants to do through, watch this, shameless plug, a divine generation. Okay? He wants to do it through a divine generation. He's ready for sons and daughters that hear him. Amen? And so um, in celebration of the resurrection, uh, the title of our teaching on today is called The Resurrected Body. A resurrection is a rising from the dead. It is a restoration of life. In order to resurrect, you have to die and in death become alive. The Bible says that, that the first Adam was a living soul. But the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. All right, the first Adam died. Not naturally, he died spiritually. He was a living soul, so it tells us where the death took place at in his soul. But it says that the last Adam, Jesus Christ, is a life-giving spirit. He came to give us the seed of Christ. He came to resurrect our life and bring us back into sonship, bring us back into fellowship with the Father. So our first scripture on today is coming from Romans chapter 6, verse 1, and it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Now, the script, the book prior to this, uh, he was talking about how where sin does abound, grace does abound even more. All right? And why is that? Because now we are in his family. We are no longer under the law. Okay, we are no longer being held by Ten Commandments and ceremonial laws because we are now back into the family. When Moses got the Ten Commandments, he went up 
the mountain to meet God, to bring the commandments down. That was a representation of him going into the spirit realm and bringing back down what man could obey. And how many of y'all know they messed that ten up? Okay, the father knew when he created us that it was, going to, it was going to be impossible for us to obey him without him being in us. And so when Adam fell, Adam was the first son of God on this planet. Adam was the first son of God on this planet. He was the first one created in the image of Christ. When he said, let us make man in our image, that was Adam. So Adam was the first son on this planet. After he fell, the next son was Jesus. We have to, you, you got to get that. Abraham, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, David, and the list goes on. None of them were God's children. None of them could call God father. They lived in death. They were alive naturally, but they were dead spiritually. And so now that, now that Jesus has came and he has died on the cross, he has, he has made it to where now we can live in him. Now we're reconnected to the Father. Amen? So, he, so now we have to understand that we are not under the law. We are not penalized for making mistakes. Because we are brought back into the family, now we have to learn the kingdom. And because none of us have ever been to heaven... None of us have ever left time and space and been to eternity. Am I right? If I'm not, let me know. You need the mic. <laughs> you need to be preaching, okay? Not me. Because of that, now we have to learn spiritual things. So now we're not under the law because we can't be held accountable for something we don't know. So now we have grace, and grace is for us to do what? Grow. So you live by faith, which is understanding that the, that the spirit realm created this realm. And you grow in grace. You don't live by grace. You don't live by the fact that you can make mistakes. <laughs> we good? You don't live by the fact that because he's not going to get you right now for sinning that you can continue in it. Grace is about destiny. Say destiny. Grace is about your destiny. Grace is about your purpose. Grace is about your assignment. Grace is about your calling. Grace is about your blessings. So this is the dispensation of grace where the time that has been allotted for us to grow into Christ. Because when he come back, there's no more growing. There's, there's no more relationship, time to make a relationship, and time to, to, to pray to the Father. There's no more practice in righteousness after he returns. Amen? So he says, what shall, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Verse 2, far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Now, this is a resurrection conversation. He just asked a question. How shall we who died in sin 
still live in sin. You can't die to something and still live in it. You can't die on planet Earth and still live in planet Earth. <laughs> Amen? Verse 3, he says, or do you not know? Now, he's awakened the conscious. Or do you not know? That all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into Jesus. So that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. So the height of, re of the resurrection is the newness of life. The height of the resurrection for us is the in Christ life. It is a spiritual life. It is a life that speaks to a new way of seeing and doing things. That's why he had to tell us, seek first the kingdom, because prior to you hearing that, you weren't seeking the kingdom first. <laughs> Come on. You only seek what you're conscious of. And because we're more conscious of this planet and the way that they do things, we tend to seek that first. It's a natural thing, amen? No condemnation. It's natural. Verse 5 says, for if we have become united with him, talking about us, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, in verse 4, it talks about the baptism into death. Now, this is why the reason why I don't just water baptize people just to be doing it. Okay, because you have to understand what the water baptism signifies. Now, the, converse, the, the water baptism has nothing to do with heaven. It has everything to do with earth. The water baptism is symbolic to just as in a marriage ceremony you have a wedding. So two people agree in the spirit that we want to be one. All right? That's what marriage is. All right? Two people agreeing that they want to be one. The, the wedding ceremony is so that everybody else can know what you committed to. The wedding ceremony is not for the bride and the groom. It's for the family and the witnesses to it. In the same way, this is what the baptism is for. Once you are baptized, you are buried, and then when you are lifted, you are resurrected to a new life. Now your commitment is that I am no longer committed to my life, but I am now committed to the life that is in Christ. I am not, no longer committed to my body, but I'm now committed to his body. Amen? So that's why I don't just baptize people, because with baptism comes a commitment. It's a spiritual I do. It's a vow. So it says, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, born again, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So now, I must tell you the definition again. A resurrection is a rising from the dead. It is a restoration of life in order 
to resurrect, you have to die and in death become alive. So, man, us, we are three-part beings, and we need to be made whole. So, each part of us plays a role in the resurrection. First, our spirit is resurrected by being born again. When we are resurrected, we are born again. Why? Because we are brought into a new life. Understand this. Your soul can only respond to who you are spiritually. That's why we have to do more than just say we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It has to be a life that comes with it to show proof. Even when John was baptizing the Pharisees, he told them, he said, be baptized, but when you come out that water, you need to show proof of your repentance. Proof that your mind changed. So you were buried, and, and when you were buried, you said, I'm dead to who I used to be. Then when you were brought out, you were saying, this is the new life that I decided I'm going to live. So now, man is three parts, and each role plays a part in the resurrection. Say, I am a spirit. Say, I have a soul, but I live in a body. Now, remember, we're talking about the resurrected body. So the goal is to resurrect what? The body. If your spirit is resurrected, but your soul is not resurrected, it does you no good to have a resurrected spirit, but your soul is not resurrected. That's why it tells us we need the mind of Christ. That's a resurrection. But the body can only be resurrected based on the condition of the soul. So, the spirit is resurrected when we are born again. We are recreated in Christ. This is now who you are. This is now who we are. We are now in Christ. So, now that we are in Christ, and this has been my conversation on Wednesdays, now that we are in Christ, Christ has to get in us. So, when you are born again, you are in Christ. Your spirit and Christ's spirit are one. But as we move from the spirit to the soul, now Christ has to be taught, studied, and placed into your soul. Because the soul is where the death of Adam happened. So now there needs to be an awakening. There needs to be a consciousness. And there are three, there's three levels of consciousness just for the mind alone. You have the conscious mind, you have the subconscious mind, then you have the unconscious mind. The conscious mind is what you're aware of right now. Okay, the subconscious is what you remember based on your previous moments of being conscious on this planet. And then your unconscious mind is just who you are and how you act. You can't lie about the unconscious, you just do those things. But we're not going to talk about those on today. We're going to talk about being conscious of the body. And then you have to move into a Christ consciousness. Then we move into a super consciousness. Amen? And we'll get into that in a second. So there's three levels of consciousness to the resurrection. Practicing righteousness is what develops our Christ consciousness. 
Now, this is important because your soul is a bridge to your body. Whatever your soul believes in or follows, your body follows it. So if your soul is catered and, 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 and extremely conscious of the world, then your body follows your, your conscious mind, and, you, and you, be, you live a worldly life. But if your soul is conscious of who you are in Christ, then the body follows. You're with me? So the body is where the life is revealed. The body is where the life is revealed. It's where we see your good deeds. The body is where, when the Bible says we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. That is not, that is not something that just happens. That's a manifestation of your conscious soul being delivered over into your body, and we see either the life of Christ or we see the life of Satan or the life of Adam. Amen? The body is where we see your servitude. It is in the body that we become bodybuilders. His input for his output. Everything the Father puts in you is to release it for his glory. Okay, he keeps us on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He never does anything for your name's sake. So Romans, so verse 6 says, knowing this, everything I just explained to you, <laughs> that our old self was crucified with him. And in order that our body of sin might be done away with. So our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Before we were born again, remember what I told you. Your, body, your, your soul can only align with, with the nature of your spirit, man. When you were in Adam, you couldn't help but sin. You didn't have another option. That's the miracle or the, uh, of salvation. That's how you know Christ is dead. You're bothered by sin. That's how you know you're resurrected because you're bothered by sin. If you're not bothered by sin, Christ does not live there. If sin does not bother you, then Christ does not live there. Because the scripture says that, that the old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. You are only a slave to who you obey. Your body is just a vehicle going along for the, for the condition of your soul. And we're talking about the resurrected body. Verse 7 says, for the one who has died is freed from sin. That's a resurrection conversation. The one who has died is freed from sin. If you have not died, you're still alive in sin. Verse 8 says, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, 
Now, if we have what? Died. Say died. If. If. Y'all know what they should say. If, if was a fifth, we all be drunk. Okay. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So we died to a natural life, gained a spiritual life. So there has to be a belief system that we're supposed to live spiritually. Come on. Amen. Verse 9 says, knowing that Christ, which is our spirit now, which is our recreated spirit man, which is the one we are one with, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Come on. You're looking at your condition. Death no longer is master over him. Now, he's letting us know the position that we have been brought in. This is the resurrection power. So it says, knowing that Christ, the seed, the son, the life that we should now live, has been raised from what? The dead. Now, in this scripture, this, this, this verse 9, it's, it talks about, uh, it has the word dead, it has the word die, and it has the word death. So it talks about being raised from the dead. It talks about never to die again. And it says that death no longer has master over us. Now, to be dead means that breath has been taken away. It means that breath has been taken away. So it lets us know that he was raised from the dead. He gave up his breath. He gave up the ghost. He was dead. Without him being dead, there's no resurrection. But the power of the resurrection is that because he was raised from the dead, he can never die again. I need a shout in church. <laughs> to die means to perish by means of something. So he was raised from the dead to never die again. That's why the Bible tells us that if we believe in him, we will not what? Perish. We will not perish. When you were born again, the, the day you were born again, eternal life started. The day you were born again, eternal life started. I know some, of you, some people waiting for when they die. When, no, when the day you were born again, you died, to the, you died to the natural man. Whatever your name is, whoever your parents are, you died to that. I died to McKinley. And now my life is what? In Christ. McKinley don't have an opinion. McKinley don't have an option. Everything that McKinley has to do has to now be in the life of Christ. To go back to being McKinley is death. So it says, it's to never die again. Then it says, death no longer is master over him. Now, death is a separation from what makes one exist. Okay, death is a separation from what makes one exist. So when someone dies or there's a death, how do we know? Because they're separated from their body. Adam's death was he was separated 
from God. He was separated from his father. From the one he's supposed to exist through, he was separated from it, so it was a death there. So it says that death no longer is master over him. That's why it lets us know that nothing can separate us, come on, from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us. Why? Because there's no more death for us. That's why we're not talking about heaven and hell. Because we're already ascended. We're already seated in heavenly places. We're already far above every rule, authority, and power, and dominion. We're already above that. That's why we're not talking about hell. Because he already took the keys to hell and the grave. So we're not worried about death. We're not worried about death, and we're not excited to hurry and get to heaven. Why? Because we're on a mission right here. And so we can't be a church that want to hurry up and get to heaven. I can't wait till this over. You're going to be even sadder than you were, than you are now. Because all the time when you were supposed to be bringing heaven to earth, you were supposed to be being light, salt, you're supposed to be an ambassador. You missed all of that because you was just ready to leave. In the world, you'd be in the unemployment line. Okay. <laughs> Verse 10 says, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So he, he died this death so he can live to God. Why did you die it? Okay? When you were born again, a resurrection, okay, you died to your old man so you can live to God. Verse 11 says, so you too consider yourselves dead to sin and what? Alive to God in Christ Jesus so I must consider myself dead to the world Jesus said there's nothing in this world for us we're in this world for them we're the salt they're not We're the light. They're not. So he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now you can see, a lot of people haven't got this revelation of why once Paul just started to teach the Gentiles, he switched the name instead of Jesus Christ, it all of a sudden became Christ Jesus. Okay? Because Jesus is the man and Christ is the son of God. Jesus was Mary's son. She gave birth to him. Just like you're somebody's child that gave birth to you. Your flesh is not God's child. Because the Bible says that the king, that flesh and blood would not inherit the kingdom. 
So your flesh, your body would not leave this planet. <laughs> so he said that we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because once you step into this life, Christ is first. And your fleshly man is, is last. So it's Christ McKinley. Y'all with me? It's Christ, then Kena. Okay? It's Christ, then Cindy. Y'all probably know that was her name. Okay. <laughs> it's Christ, then Mahogany. Y'all get me? It's Christ, then it's Shombi. Then it's Odin. It's Christ, then it's the natural man. What we get in trouble with is we put the natural man first, and then we'll get to Christ later. Am I helping you? Because the spirit realm responds to Christ. The spirit realm doesn't respond to McKinley. It don't matter how much I pray. It's looking for a son. It don't matter what I say, how many scriptures I quote, if the spirit realm looks down and it see that, that McKinley's in front of Christ, then what has to happen? A death. Now McKinley has to die so that Christ can take the forefront. And this is what Satan is trying to prohibit. This is what every argument in your mind is all about. Why me? What about me? Come on. <laughs> Ain't nobody helping me. You got a whole body of people helping you if you get in Christ. You got a whole angelic army helping you. <laughs> if you get in Christ. But as long as you put yourself before Christ, the spirit realm, watch this, can't hear you. There has to be a death in order to be what? A resurrection. Verse 12 says, therefore, here we go, sin is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. Come on. Present yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that he can prove, so that you can prove, so that you can prove what is his good, his acceptable, and his perfect will. You can pray all you want to, but they're looking to see if you have presented your body a living sacrifice. The spirit realm, you can't fool the spirit realm. You can't fool the spirit realm. You might can fool me. You might can fool yourself. But you can't fool the spirit realm. They're waiting on you to submit your body, present your body, practice righteousness, fast, pray. 
Because anything you get from the spirit realm will always be upheld by spiritual practices. There's nothing, if he's going to give you a million, it's going to be because you practice in righteousness at a level that he know, that you know this is how I obtained this. So if you know how you obtained it, then you know how you'll keep it. But he's watching to see if you're going to practice the spiritual practices. Because it says, present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your bodies part of instruments of righteousness for God. So the body follows the soul. Resurrected or dead. This is why he said, love the Lord with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your understanding. I got some stuff for you. Because eyes have not seen, ears not, have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart the things that he has prepared for those who what? Love him. Say love him. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So he's watching. <laughs> I'm not watching. I just need y'all to know that. Apostle's not watching you. Apostle don't have no binoculars. Apostle ain't scanning your page because I know you can't fool the spirit realm. I'm trying to make sure I'm dressed right dress. The resurrection of the, the resurrected body uses every body part as an instrument for the righteousness of Abba. Let me say that again. The resurrected body, I'm talking individually, of his offsprings, as an individual, okay? The resurrected body uses every, every body part for the instrument of righteousness to build his kingdom. This is the goal, to resurrect our bodies, to show that the life of Christ is there. And every resurrected son and daughter becomes what? A bodybuilder. Every resurrected son and daughter of God brings life to the body. Until we bring life to the body, there will be no life in the body. We have to build this body so that this body can win Stockbridge. <laughs> okay. Until you build the body, we can't be a witness. So I want you to listen to Paul's conversation to the Philippians. You learning anything? Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 says, But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. Now remember, Christ is the spirit. <laughs> Christ is the spirit. Christ is the seed. Christ is the thing that all things were created through. Christ is the word that became flesh. So he was infatuated with becoming like Christ. Not Jesus. Jesus had his own cross to bear. You got your own cross. Jesus' cross was to die physically on the cross. 
Paul's cross was the Gentiles. What's your cross? Or what's in your wallet? Okay. So he said, but whatever things were gained to me, whatever things I accumulated in the world, he said, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. Now, Paul was an academic. He was a scholar. He was a Jew of Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was an athlete. He had clout. He said, I lost all of that. And I counted it. Let me continue. He says, more than that, I counted all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing. We'll get into that. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. See, this is the issue. The Bible says if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then what will happen? All things will be added to you. Now, this is the same conversation that if you lose your life, you gain it. So you have to lose all things. So he says here, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I lost all things. Everything, when I came to Christ, everything that I had, I had no problem losing it. The money, the friends, the notoriety, the houses, the cars. Jesus, Peter, uh, in serving Jesus, said, we, when we came to you, we left everything. Peter left his business. <laughs> Come on. He left his business. Then he inherited. They left their business to follow Jesus. And he said, what we get for that? He said, if you leave your stuff, he said, you're going to get houses. And he said it like this. You're going to get cars. You're going to get notoriety. He said, everything you need, you're going to get in this age with persecution and in the age to come. So you're going to die one day and everything you think you have in this planet is going to be lost. And the only thing that you're going to take with you is the stuff that you gained in him. And like my old pastor, you saying your family members are going to fight over it and they're going to disperse it. And it's going to be like you never worked for it. <laughs> so you can waste your time building your kingdom here. All it takes is a chicken bone. And you dead. <laughs> Come on. All it takes is a, a heart. All it takes is an aneurysm. All, it, 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 a car crash. That's all it takes for everything that, you, that you've accumulated in this world to be gone. So what do you want to put your efforts at in Christ? He said, whom I, I have suffered the loss of all things. And he said, and count them mere rubbish. Really, it's dung, doo-doo, boo-boo, feces. He said, my degrees, everything that I have accomplished, I lose it for him. And to me, that's garbage. It's trash. He said, so that I may gain Christ. You got to lose that so that you may gain Christ. Because if you don't lose it to gain Christ, when Christ asks you to do something, you will have a problem doing it because you're thinking about what you gained. The rich young ruler. 
He was rich, he was young, and he had clout. He was a ruler. He said, what must I do to receive eternal life? He said, do this, do this, do that. He said, okay, I've done all that. He said, take everything you own and sell it and give it to the poor. He said, he walked away sad because he had great possessions. He missed the kingdom for possessions. He missed the kingdom for possessions. He missed the kingdom chasing a bag. Verse 9. And may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Now, Christ is what? The spirit. Christ is the spirit. So now he says his faith is in Christ. Now, this is the same one that says to live is, is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> this is the same one that said to live is Christ. He says so that he said, but that which is through faith in Christ. Christ is the spirit man. Christ is the son of God. Christ is the thing that all things were created through. Faith is understanding. It's understanding that everything that you see was created by what you don't see. And that everything was framed by the word of God, which is what? Christ. It's a total mind shift. This is the resurrected mind. This is what we're trying to get people to is having faith in Christ. He says, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So there's a righteousness that, there's a righteousness that is based on your deeds. And then there's a righteousness that is based on faith in God. I'm doing this because he said do it this way. They cussed you out. And he said, don't exchange evil for good. <laughs> so now that you're in the situation and they've cussed you out, you have a decision to make. Do I give them good or do I give them evil? What's going to determine it is where's your faith based? Where's your righteousness based? Is it based in your flesh and you have to be vindicated? <laughs> you got to show everybody you tough. Don't nobody talk to you like that. You're going to show them your carnal boldness instead of your spiritual boldness. Spiritual boldness says just shut up. Don't say nothing. Because the Bible says if you're going to be a fool, you must first become wise. But then it says those who, are, who think they are wise are fools. So when you become wise in him, you're going to become a fool to men. Why ain't you doing it this way? Because that's the way men do it. Ain't nothing wrong with being a fool to men. Let people talk about you. Let people say what they want to say about you. Take the low road. Because your faith ain't in that. That's why Abraham told Lot. He, they got into an argument. He said, just take one side. It don't matter to me. <laughs> I'm called. <laughs> Lot looked at the... the 
Lot looked at the lamb that was the most vibrant, which was arrogance because he wasn't supposed to even be there. He was there based on Abraham. And he looked at the good and said, I want this, and I'm going to give you everything that ain't good. And ended up in Sodom. That's why the Bible said we don't walk by sight. <laughs> you can look at the dryness, and the, the Bible says that he can create a uh, uh, what does it say? He can, he, can, he can make a fountain in the wilderness. Don't, 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 don't use your eyes to see. It looked dry, but he said he can make a fountain in the desert. With your eyes, it always makes you want to choose what looks big and plentiful. But that's never where the Father is. As soon as Jesus got into his ministry, the first thing he did, sent him to the wilderness. You would think he would be on TV. First thing would be TBN. No, he sent them to the wilderness to be tested by the devil. We need to see if, some, if, you are, if, if there's a resurrected mind here before we give you, watch this, a ministry. Before we put you over people, we need to make sure there ain't no Pharaoh in you. You're not just in it to have people build for you. Oh, this is happening in ministry. That's why I don't teach and preach about my accomplishments. I could tell you a miracle signs and one. I could talk about it all day. But that ain't what you need to know. You need to know how to hear your father's voice. It does you no good to brag about your leader. <laughs> Here we go. Verse 10 says, this is Paul. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. If somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, when Jesus chose his apostles to become disciples, he did it through training. All right. They had to know him before they can experience the power. Or they can understand his fellowship of suffering. So this is where we get into the three levels of consciousness. Because the first level of consciousness is that you are conscious. And conscious just simply means that you are aware and you are woke to your surroundings and to what's in you. So the first level of consciousness is that you are conscious of your body. You are conscious of your environment. You are conscious of your surroundings. You are conscious of your gifts, your talents, your abilities. That's why y'all in the mirror all morning. <laughs> Can't nobody lie about that. <laughs> So from that consciousness of who you are, you must now get a consciousness of who Christ is. This is when you looked at your life and you saw it was a mess. And you said, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I desire, I want to be born again. And so now you go from conscious to Christ conscious. 
Because now you're not just aware of your body and environment, your gifts, talents, and your abilities, but now you have to be aware of Christ in you. This is the resurrection. When you are in Christ consciousness, you no longer question your identity in him. When, you are, when, when there's a Christ consciousness, the I am conversation is loud. I am salt. I am a city set on a hill. I am an ambassador. I am the righteousness of God. No matter how much Satan talks to you, no matter how much the world talks to you, the I am conversation is loud. But first you have to be conscious that Christ is there. With the Christ consciousness, you are aware of your child status, which means you are aware of the covenant that you are in. That you're not just a servant of God. You're not just a member of a church. <laughs> you don't just, you're not just coming to a building. This is training because I'm God's child. And I need my mind to resurrect so I can become because I'm already one with Christ, but I don't think like that all the time. And that's what my suffering is. That's what all my pains and my agony is. That's what makes me want to quit. That's what depression comes from because I don't have a Christ consciousness. I don't really know that all things are going to work together for the good. <laughs> I say it. <laughs> I'm scripture conscious, but I'm not Christ conscious. Come on, we all suffering from this. Okay, especially when you came out of religion. Because you are more conscious of your sin <laughs> in religion. They wanted you to know that if you don't come to church, you're on your way to hell. That's what the ploy was. It was to make you come to church. But now you have to be Christ conscious. You have to be conscious of the fact that you were adopted. And now that you are adopted, your father, you got to hear him saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. If you don't, you won't lose that orphan spirit. You have to have days and times where you go without so he can measure your mind. Come on, you went without and you just, what am I doing wrong? You ain't doing nothing wrong. You, you, you ain't doing nothing wrong. You're losing all things to gain Christ. You ain't doing nothing wrong. He's, he's testing your mind. When he sent him in the wilderness for 40 days, he wanted to ascertain the quality of his mind. Can you imagine that? If he did it to Jesus, if he did it to Jesus, if he sent Jesus to a wilderness moment to test his mind and see if it was ready for the inheritance to be released, what you think you're going to do? What you think you're going to get? You don't think you're going to get no tests, no quiz, no exams? What is he doing? He's working the Christ consciousness in us. You got to be conscious of the, this is who I am. This is who I am. I can't lose. I only learn. My mistakes are education. My failures are education. Come on. The Christ consciousness opens your mind up to sonship. Because as an infant, you just conscious of your body. Yeah, you saved. We know you saved. You born again. But you're only conscious of what's going on in your world. You ain't concerned with the church. You ain't there yet. It's okay. 
No shame there. That's the growth process. By the time you get to we us, you're going to enter into the third level. And that's a super consciousness. That's now you're, you're no longer conscious of earth. You're no conscious of the natural. That's why Paul said that the natural man can't understand the things of the spirit. The natural man can't. You have to first be conscious of Christ and then grow in Christ. Then you become conscious of the kingdom. When you become conscious of the kingdom, that's immortality. <laughs> now I'm walking as a God. So I'm above all natural things. I'm above all human things. I'm above all earthly things. I'm above all sensual things. Brothers, when you get in Christ, that body, that body ain't gonna, that body ain't gonna what's gonna turn you on. When you get a super consciousness, brothers, her body won't turn you on. Her spirit will. Sisters, it won't be his shoulders. Come on. You won't be, you won't be looking at his smile. It'll be his spirit, his spiritual practices. You, you fall in love with a man you see crying to the father. Come on. A man you see lifting his hands. But bef until then, you had a different attraction. <laughs> you attracted by the things that may only please your flesh. And then after he pleased your flesh or she pleased your flesh, and you got to live with him? Not knowing that sex is only 5% of marriage. The other 95 better be in Christ. <laughs> it better be in Christ. Now, when you're in Christ conscious, no, when you're in super conscious, you have an ascended mindset. You know where you're seated. That's why he says, set your mind on heavenly things, not on earth. <laughs> it says that a spiritual mind brings, a, a spiritual mind brings about life and peace, but a carnal mind brings forth death. Now you died to live in the spirit. That's why Paul was confused with the Galatian church. Who bewitched you? Who bewitched you? How did you start off in the spirit and then go back to the flesh? How did you die to your flesh? Watch this. Get in the spirit and then die in the spirit and go back to the flesh. It has to be an ascended mindset. When you're in a super conscious mindset, your focus is kingdom. Now you have a thing where you, I must do. I must do. I can tell when I'm talking to somebody what level of consciousness that they're in. I must do. I only do. The kingdom comes first. Jesus didn't say seek first the kingdom for no reason. And it's not something that just because you say it out your mouth, you're doing it. It's a mindset. And you can't shake it when you enter into the superconscious. You can't shake it. The kingdom business is always on your mind. It bothers you. It bogs you down. That's why I try to tell, look, I understand y'all got some spirituality about y'all, but until you hold this position, you don't have no idea. You have no idea, period. 
of what it means to have to labor for the kingdom, when you can't get the kingdom off your mind, when it ain't going the way you think you want it to go for him, you feel depressed. You feel down. Try to, somebody got to pray for a brother. <laughs> when it consumes you, Jesus came into the temple tearing stuff up. That's how y'all should be acting in here when folks ain't doing it the right way. Why ain't you lifting your hands? <laughs> he came in there and tore up the temple. That's how we should be doing an outreach. I'm helping y'all. And this is why, after he did it, the disciples said, the Bible said the disciples remembered, the scripture said that the zeal of the Lord will consume him. What's consuming you? Your stuff or his stuff? What consumes you? Is your zeal for him and his business or is your zeal for your stuff? It has to consume you. When you've done that, now you know you're spiritual. Because the superconscious is the kingdom mind. It is what we call spiritual intelligence. Now, watch this. When we become spiritual intelligent, we live by his household. Everything that we do, we do it from, from Abba's household. If Abba didn't say do that, we don't do that. If Abba didn't say act like that, we don't act like that. When we, are, when we walk into spiritual intelligence, we live by his name. That's why he was able to do away with the law. We don't need the law when we got the name. <laughs> we don't, the law is the, the, the name is the, encompasses all of the law. How many of y'all got laws in your house? None of y'all. Okay, you don't have no law. Your name is the law. The only law in, your, the law in your house is Pierre. That's the law. She's married to Pastor Kirby. That's the law. <laughs> the Bible submit to your husband. That's the law. We live by the kingdom. When, when spiritual intelligence kick in and a super consciousness kick in, we now live by the kingdom. And this is where the Bible comes where it says that the just shall live by what? Faith. That don't just happen because you got saved. That takes you to being developed to live by faith. You got to learn to see in the spirit. You, can't, you can only live by faith if you see the spirit realm. You got to know what he wants and what he expects to live there. Y'all with me? Y'all looking at me like. <laughs> it is having an understanding and realization of spiritual truths and you live from them. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual intelligence is when you have an understanding and a realization of spiritual truths and you live from them. You don't just know them. You don't just know them is the first, knowing is the first stage. Okay, we go from knowing to understanding. Knowing is just knowledge. We go from knowing to understanding. We go from understanding to obedience. <laughs> now that I understand it, I have to obey it. 
And the obedience is depending on, is it obedience from instructions, apostle said, or is it obedience by conviction? Are you being obedient because you're convicted or are you being obedient because apostle said do this? Or even the Bible says do this. No, that needs to be a conviction there. I must do what my father said. I must preach. I only do. That's a conviction. Then if don't nobody say nothing to you, you know what you're supposed to be doing. So you go from knowing to understanding to obeying to living. You can't live a life that you're not obedient to. Now watch this. When you get to the place where you're living for it, now you can say you're struggling. <laughs> you can't struggle with a life you're not living. You can struggle to know, you can struggle to understand, you can struggle to obey. That's different <laughs> than living. Once you live, it's a struggle. Matter of fact, let me, let, me, let me prescribe this to you. Satan ain't fighting you until you living. He ain't fighting your knowledge. He ain't fighting your understanding. It's just in your head. It's when you go to obey. <laughs> it's when you go to obey that you get some friction. And the friction ain't between you and him. It's between you and your flesh. The only thing that stops you from being obedient is your flesh. So you go from obeying to living, and now in living is where we struggle. Amen? Come on. It's where we struggle. Come on, raise your hand. It's where we struggle, right? It's where we struggle. And that is what grace is for. That is what grace is for. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 and 23, it's not up there for my note takers. It says, buy the truth and sell it not. <laughs> it said, buy. How do you purchase truth? Practicing righteousness. You can't even read and get truth. You got to pray and fast, then read. <laughs> you got to purchase truth. You can't just open this Bible and see. We see it levels. How long have you spent, your, spent time in prayer? How consistent have you been? How long have you been doing that thing? And it will tell you your eyesight. So the scripture says, buy the truth and sell it not. And it says also wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So with your life, you're supposed to be purchasing truth, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from the spirit realm. This is why Jesus always said in speaking in regards, to, in regards to the kingdom, he would always start off, truly, truly, I say to you. Of a truth, I say to you. What is he letting you know? I'm working in super conscious. I'm talking from spiritual intelligence. I'm speaking from how the kingdom does things. Amen? Verse 12. Now, this is Paul's retort on being resurrected in Christ. I want to let y'all know it's okay. All right? The swelling going to go down. I know I may hit you with something, but the swelling going to go down. 
You don't even need no real ice. It's spiritual ice. I'm going to give it to you. It says, this is Paul. Now, remember, verse 12, he says, not that I have already grasped it or have already become perfect, but I press on if I may also take hold of that which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, what is he saying here? I'm in Christ. Christ has me, but I don't have him. So I'm in Christ, but Christ ain't fully absorbed in me. Now, Paul made this confession. Can I help you? Can I help you? This was after 26 years. This was after ministry mission trips. This was after being stoned from preaching. That's why the Bible says you have yet to resist under blood. This is after 25 years. 25 years in the game. And he says, not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect. Come on, I, I got I to say that because we've been doing this for three, four years and we think we're there. <laughs> he says, but I press on if I may also take hold of that which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Verse 13, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. Come on, this is what he said. Say, keep practicing righteousness. Oh, come on. Keep practicing righteousness. This is, this is the apostle that wrote, wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. He said, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind consciousness. Consciousness of your problems, the things that you've been through, the stuff that happened to you, the orphan stuff, Egypt. Lose that consciousness, he said. And he says, reach forward to what lies ahead. What is that? That's the Christ consciousness. That's a super consciousness. That's a place to where I own, I, I, well, I'm on earth, but I live like I'm in heaven. That's why I told you Jesus did it. He did it awesomely. Is that a word? Yeah, whatever. He was on earth living from heaven. He would take his disciples on a three-day journey all the way out in the wilderness and say, the people hungry. <laughs> the people hungry. They came and said, the, the people, Jesus said, you feed them. Well, you got you to come up with something now. And they, they, said, they said to him, they said, hold on. It ain't a Publix for a three-day journey. <laughs> Not Food Depot. Whatever. <laughs> Me and AD got a battle. He like Food Depot. I like Publix. I'm not going to, if I go to Food Depot, it's to get some bread. All right. Not buying no meat from Food Depot. I'm sorry, Food Depot. All right. 
So he took them three days journey. And they said, it's, if we, it's a three days journey to Publix. By the time we get back, he said the food gonna be spoiled. Why would he do that? He's trying to get them to function and flow in a super conscious mindset. He's trying to get their mind off of the natural and onto the spirit realm. What if I told you that the situations he's putting you in is far from natural and you can't use natural to get, to get, to get this thing done? He puts you in a situation on purpose. So you can stop thinking natural and you can actually have to be Christ conscious and lose your supernatural mind to see what you can manifest. He's walking with Luke, healing people, and Luke a doctor. They ask him, Do, should we pay taxes? He don't go get Matthew. He tell Peter to go fishing and get the money out of fish mouth. This ain't fairy tales. He's trying to push us into the super conscious and get us out of the conscious because the moment you need, you look at what's around me. Not what's in me. Not what I'm a part of. What's around me? How many jobs can I go get? <laughs> How many more hours can I pick up? What about seeking the kingdom? Oh, we put me in front of Christ now. Now I can't do all things through Christ. He said all things. So if you seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, all things will be added to you. Christ is in you. As, the con as a consciousness that you should be aware of and, and, you can be and you can do all things through what's in you. So why are you looking around you? Because you're not conscious of what's in you. You're more conscious of what's around you than what's in you. And if you're not conscious of what's in you, you're not conscious in what you belong to. Amen? Verse 14, he says, I press toward the goal for the prize, here we go, of the what? Upward call. Somebody say resurrection. resurrection. <laughs> the upward call. He says, I press, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So when stuff starts getting rough, I don't Seek what's going on around me. I press towards the goal. What is that? Christ consciousness. Super consciousness. I'm flustered. That means I need to get, my mind need to be more kingdom cultivated. I'm going through something. I don't know what has going to happen. Get your I am scriptures. <laughs> or go back and listen to the I am equation stuff. Where apostles constantly telling you who you are. I ain't doing that for no reason. I'm doing it so you can enter into a new level of consciousness. And I can stop getting calls on my phone about you don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> y'all can call me. I'm just playing. I love y'all. Verse 15 says, therefore, all 
who are mature, let's have this attitude. Let's have this mind. Let's think like this. So don't have no attitude with apostle, okay? Get a resurrected attitude. I ain't your problem. Your friends ain't your problem. Your job is not your problem. Your problem is your mind has not ascended past earth. It has not ascended past your problems. It has not ascended past circumstances and situations that your eyes can see. Because we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Walk means to what? Conduct yourself. So it says that, that all who are mature, you're going to have this attitude. It says if anything you have, if, any, if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you 